Raised by wolves with canine DNA in his blood, having trained more than 24,000 pets, helping you and your fur babies thrive. Live in studio, it's Pet Talk Today with Will Bangura, answering your pet behavior and training questions. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome your host and favorite pet behavior expert, Will Bangura. Good Saturday morning, pet lovers. I'm Will Bangura. And I'm Jordan Marsteller. And you're listening to another episode of Pet Talk Today on our Facebook live live stream. We're here each and every Saturday morning from 9 until 10 a.m. Pacific time. That's also Central time. That's 12 noon to 1 p.m. Eastern time. Be sure to join us. Hey, do us a favor. Hit that like button. And hit your share button so that more people can benefit from it. But hit that like button and show us some love. Also, in the comments section, if you would please put in there um, where you're watching from, what kind of pet you have, and, and what what your pet's name is. Um, if you're brand new to Pet Talk today, let me talk a little bit about what we do. This is a labor of love for us. Um, not everybody can afford private in-home training. And so every Saturday we do a show and a lot of times we're doing Q&A where we take your phone calls, uh, we answer your questions that you put in the comments section. Um, and then oftentimes we've got a special show where we might be talking about a specific issue that could be dog aggression, it could be separation anxiety, it could be potty training, um, it could be a number of different things, fears, phobias, the 4th of July and fireworks. We might be talking about obedience training. We might be talking about puppy training. And sometimes we also have shows about health. You definitely want to make sure that you tune in next Saturday, August 6th. We've got Dr. Karen Becker, who is a veterinarian. She is a veterinary nutritionist. Um, and she wrote a New York Times bestseller. It's called Forever Dog. And she talks about... Uh, some of the things that we absolutely need to know in order for our pets to thrive when it comes to vaccinations, when it comes to diet and nutrition. Um, there's a lot of things. Next Saturday, be sure to join us for sure. Um, like I said, we oftentimes are taking uh, your calls. We are answering your questions. So Jordan, do you want to go ahead, give out the number absolutely. that they can call in on Good Saturday morning. My name is Jordan Marsteller. So thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. We absolutely love doing this. If you have your questions, please give us a call at 602-525-6880. Again, that number is 602-525-6880. Yeah, don't be shy. Um, there's no stupid question. This is your opportunity to be able to ask the experts about your dog training and behavior issues. We also talk about cats. Maybe you've got a problem with your cat. We're happy to help you with that as well. Um, but yeah, give us a call or post your questions in the comment section. Please hit that like button. Please share this video onto your feed. All right. We might have a call coming in here. Thanks for calling Pet Talk today. State your name and location. What's your question? All right. 
Uh, hi, I'm calling from South Dakota. My name is Carrie. Hello, Carrie. Hello. Hey, Carrie, can you do us a favor and whatever you're listening or watching the show on, can you turn down? Yeah, that way we don't have that echo. Thank you, Perfect. Carrie. How can we help you, Carrie? I'm thinking about adding a third dog to um, the two I have already. Uh, what do you recommend with introduction? Well, you know, part of that is knowing, you know, what your other two dogs are, what their temperament, what their demeanor is, and then finding out a little information about the third dog that you're bringing in. Um, the two dogs that you currently have, what type of dogs are they? How old are they? Uh, she was nine. She's a brown Australian Shepherd, um, Australian Shepherd brown lab mix. Uh-huh. Very calm, very sweet dog. Uh, Creamer is my one-eyed little diva. She is a Chihuahua red dealer and I think golden lab mix. Okay. Oh, she's she's pretty cool. She gets a little excited, but not aggressively. How old is she? Uh, she's about five. She's about five. Okay. Um, both your females are they spayed? Yep, they're both spayed. Okay. Now, talk to me about this third dog you want to bring into the mix? Well, I've been browsing the Humane Society site, and there's two dogs I'm looking at. Um, one is a German Shepherd, German Shepherd, <laughs> sorry, a Blue Healer mix. Her name is Ari. She's two years old. She seems very friendly. And then there's a seven-year-old uh, German Shepherd uh, Rottweiler mix, who is name is Smiley. And she uh, is advertised as a pretty calm dog. Okay. So I really take introducing new dogs um, very cautiously uh, because you can do one little thing wrong and then it just kind of ruins the situation and then maybe you can't then integrate the dogs. You know, a lot of people think that dogs should be these social butterflies, that they should love all dogs and they should play in every dog park and everything should be wonderful. When quite frankly, you know, your dogs might be nervous about this new dog coming in. The new dog coming in is definitely going to be nervous about being in a new place with new dogs. So I don't like to have dogs when they're meeting each other for the first time running up to each other. Where they oh, can, absolutely not. yeah, where they can have contact. Now, um, we want to have the dogs on leash, and we want to start this outside. The bigger the area, the more open the area, the less stress there is. And if a dog does get aggressive, it's because they're anxious, they're nervous, they find something threatening. Now, there might not be a real threat, but they find something is threatening. We want to make this as non-threatening for both the new dog and the two dogs that you currently have at home by starting this outside where we've got a lot of open space, by putting them on leash, having them all moving. Movement dissipates stress. If they're just standing still, sitting still, they could look at one of the dogs, they could start to fixate and they could start getting nervous and anxious and maybe they start growling or become reactive. We don't want that. So staying at quite a distance outside, having them on leash, having the dogs all moving, they don't need to connect right away. You want to be able to <clears throat> read what is their body language telling you. 
what are what's their body language saying? Are they calm, cool, collected? Are they in a state where there's not a care in the world? Or do they look anxious and nervous? Because if they look anxious and nervous, I'm not going to get any of the dogs any closer. What I'm going to do is I might back the dog up that is giving signs that it's a little anxious and nervous and create a little more space. And when I get to that space, that magical space, that circumference of comfort, there's a magical distance where a dog all of a sudden is comfortable being at a certain distance from a trigger and then there's a specific spot where they're uncomfortable. We need to find where those lines are, okay? We call that threshold. A threshold is something that we don't want the dog going over threshold. That's when they have care, concern, worry, they're reactive. Again, when we introduce dogs, it needs to be at a distance, on leash, they should be moving, and the dog should be far enough away that they don't have a care in the world about one another, and you should start feeding high value food rewards then go out of sight then come back into sight with the dogs and start feed 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 constantly and continuously high value food rewards so that now you're pairing something very positive the food with the trigger i'm going to call everything a trigger till we know how the dogs are going to respond and we want to start being proactive, doing the right thing, making a positive association with the new dog. And for the new dog, making positive associations with the current dogs that you have. Now, if you have good body language, then you can come a little closer and move the dogs around, but a little bit closer. Read that body language. If the dog's calm, cool, and collected, feed, 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 constantly and continuously, high-value food rewards. If they're showing they don't have a care in the world, go a little bit closer. And little by little, gradually, systematically, you're going to get closer and closer. But it's all about reading the body language. Um, I don't let my dogs have high-energy displays of behavior, behavior where it's high energy around other dogs because a dog could get nervous. You know, I may have the friendliest dog in the world, but it's got a lot of energy right. and it might just want to play yeah. and it gets real excited real fast, makes a fast movement. Well, the other dog might be a little leery of dogs and that fast movement, that excitability could trigger a dog to want to go into fight or flight. And so when I don't know, when it's a new dog that I've got to expose a dog to, um, I'm going to assume that there's going to be a problem. Yeah. I'm always erring on, erring on the side no, of caution. Always, always. Whenever, whenever my dog is being, whenever there's the possibility of my dog meeting another dog, I always am extremely cautious. You never, ever know what is going to happen with these other dogs, plain and simple. So that is my take on how I would do it. And if I do see nervousness, on any of the dogs, well, I'm not going to let them connect. I'm going to keep on day in and day out doing these exercises of counter conditioning, desensitization. The counter conditioning is just a fancy word for, hey, the dog gets presented with the new dog when it sees it, feed, 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 feed constantly and continuously. You're pairing, yeah. you're associating something wonderful yeah. with something that might be a little bit scary the dog may have a little bit of anxiety but it's all about body language and when you get calm body language you get a little closer 
Um, and then what I do when I've got really good calm body language and the two dogs connect for a second, that's what they connect for a second. And then I pull them away and I start moving them around, maybe healing with them again. Then I bring them back together. They get about two seconds and I pull them away. And then I bring them back together and maybe they get three to five seconds. Gradually, I'm not giving them a bunch of time to potentially start displaying behavior that could get either dog nervous. I want calm, cool, collected behavior. Exactly. Does that, exactly. Does that make sense to you? Is that something you think you could oh, work yeah, on? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It actually kind of sounds a bit like a dance. It is a dance. That is exactly what it is. That's what we do. We dance <laughs> with dogs on a regular basis. Absolutely. And it's a team effort. And it is back and forth. You know, a lot of people would avoid a lot of dog fights if they did this. But a lot of times what they do is they say, hey, let's throw them in the backyard. You know, they'll work it out. On oh, no, yeah, no, 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 no. I had, I bought a kennel just in case. I, I'm going to put the dog in separate rooms during feeding time. And I'm going to be going through the uh, the adopter at the Humane Society before introducing the dogs in and making sure the dogs are okay with me first and then do it one at a time. I, I I don't want to cause any uh, misunderstanding. No, absolutely. That's the right way to be able to do that. Um, so give that a try. Hey, we appreciate the call. That was a great. That was no, a fantastic. Absolutely. That was a fantastic question. And so we have another question here uh, from Christian. Uh, Christian, if you're still watching, please share where you're from and where you're. Uh, what, uh, what kind of dog you're working hit with. Hit that like button, folks. Yes, please. More people get to see this when you hit the like button. So Christian says that they have a Pitbull Pug Chihuahua mix, and she was doing so good potty training and then got her first heat cycle. Now she's regressing in her potty training and keeps going to the bathroom inside. Well, first things first, I want to address a few things. I firstly want to ask, did she just get her first heat cycle within the last you know month or two? Because what else is going on right now? It's summer, and we have had such a huge depends heat where wave. they're from. We don't know right, where right. From, oh yeah, if they're here in Phoenix, that's right. If they're from here in the valley, um, but it is also summertime. So wherever you are, it may be getting hotter. And well, that's the first thing that I want to look at is is it starting to get hot outside? Mm -hmm. My dog Harley has actually had two accidents inside last week when it was it was like an average of 112 every day mm -hmm. yeah she didn't want to go outside that's a real problem in arizona for usually it's little dogs they they don't want to go outside it's aversive it's like punishment because it's 110 112 right and we do sometimes see dogs then going to the bathroom in the house however i do want to say um first heat cycle second third doesn't matter your dog went through a lot of hormonal Okay, hormonal changes, hormonal yeah. shifts. Also, most likely, um, there's probably some drops from the estrus that were happening, and that's almost like marking as well. So, what you've got to do is you got to start all over from scratch. Yeah, with potty training, and and I know you're probably saying she knows that she's doing something wrong. No, she doesn't. She if knows she you. Did. She knows you're upset about something. Yep. If she knew she did something wrong she would stop doing it, mm -hmm. okay? But you got to start all over from potty training. Now, we have a 45-minute in-depth podcast that specifically deals with everything that you need to do to successfully potty train even the most difficult of dog, older dog, or puppy. 
So go to the Pet Talk Today podcast. You can find that on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, any of the different podcast hosting platforms. What you're going to look for is season one, episode 16. Again, that's season one, episode 16, 45 minutes of in-depth information, how to successfully potty train any dog, even the most difficult of dogs. I will tell you right now, the number one rule is supervise. That dog is in your eyesight at all times. And when you cannot watch your dog, the dog needs to be crated. The dog needs to be confined. So the number one rule, supervise or confine. It's not the end of the world if a dog has an accident. What's the end of the world and where things won't get better is if the dog continues to have accidents and you're not there to be able to have a consequence for the dog. Uh, we like to, when they have an accident, use negative punishment, which is just taking away something that the dog likes. Most dogs want their freedom. They have an accident. I go ahead and put them in the crate for about two minutes. Now, some of you are probably saying, hey, I, I thought we're not supposed to use the crate as a punishment. It's supposed to be a safe place. Um, the dog is not going to view that crate as punishment. The dog, because the dog's there well after a behavior. We are pairing the loss of freedom with the accident. Yeah. Not the presentation exactly. of a time out. Exactly. Okay. So again, episode one, or excuse me, season one, episode 16 yep. for the potty training podcast. Um, go to Apple Podcasts, look up Pet Talk today, and do us a favor. If you like what we're doing, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Give us a review on Google Podcasts. We need that. The more reviews we get, the better our rankings, the more people yeah. get to, uh, and to I hear actually what we're talking about. And I actually put the link straight to that, to the Spotify link for that episode right into the comments. Now, uh, we also have, it looks like... Let's give out the phone number again, yeah, too. Yeah, absolutely. If, if so, you have a question. Yeah, if you have a question, you can call us at 602 525-6880. Please call us in and ask your question. Again, the number 602-525-6880. We want to hear from you so we can help you with your dog or cat training and behavior issues. Um, you said we got a yeah. question in the comments. Yeah, absolutely. We have lots of them. So All right, just, let's I'm go just trying to, down the line. Yeah, so we're going to go back up and we have a question from Lisa. Lisa says that they have a puppy who thinks that he is the alpha, and whenever the other two dogs try to put him in his place, he does not back down. He's also always snapping at the other dog's faces. We cannot get him to realize that he is not the alpha. We really need help getting him to realize his place in the pack. Can you help us? Well, first of all, we need to talk about this whole thing yeah, about alpha. I agree. Okay? Um, everybody thinks that an alpha dog is this badass Yeah, that this alpha dog is going to put people in their place. And that's why a lot of trainers out there spewing information that has no basis in science, yeah. telling human beings that your dog is dominant and that you need to give them an alpha role, that you need to be alpha. You need to show them who's boss. Guess what? An alpha dog, an alpha dog has this air about them like they're a king. They don't bite. Like they're a deity. The the alpha dog doesn't bite. They don't have they to. They don't have to. They don't have to. There's an air and a respect about it. Now, these dogs that are the badass dogs, you know, trying to be alpha, that's a beta dog. That's right. That's an alpha that's wannabe. Fear, believe it or not. That's, that's fear. fear. Yeah. Absolutely. It's fear. Your dog's not trying to be alpha. Your dog's afraid. 
Yeah. Your dog's afraid. And what you need to do is find out, okay, at what distance, in what location, with what trigger is this dog afraid? You think it's trying to be alpha. It's snapping at them because it's saying, I want distance and space. Get away. That's right. You're scaring me. Whatever that situation is. Absolutely. And what you're going to need to do is you're going to have to start presenting that dog to the other dogs at a distance where this other dog that you think is trying to be alpha doesn't have a care in the world, where it's not snapping at the other dogs, when it's not displaying that behavior. It's at that distance we have a good emotional state, and when we present the dogs, we then, again, we need to counter condition. We need to desensitize. We need to associate something positive with the dogs rather than your other dog viewing these dogs as scary and being anxious. We want your dog to view them as positive, if nothing else, neutral. And so what we have to do is we have to not see the dogs. Boom, they're gone. And boom, dogs come back together. Here we go. And we feed, 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 feed constantly and continuously for about five seconds. We separate them. They can't see each other. Bring them back together when they see each other. Feed, 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 feed constantly and continuously for about five seconds. Separate them. Yep. And you're going to do that for about five, 10 minutes. A 15-minute session would be very long. Absolutely. And you're going to do this three to five times a week. And let me tell you guys, let me tell you something about this. If you're going to go 15 minutes, you had better be an amazing, amazing at reading body language. Because 15 minutes of your dog being over threshold and being stressed is a long time. And you don't want that because think about what you would be doing. If your dog's emotional state is stressful and you begin to pair an association of food, you're now reinforcing a emotional state where the dog is scared. You might as well just be saying, hey, good dog, be scared. Good dog, be scared, be scared. Oh, what a good dog, what a good dog. No, we can't do that. And again, this whole business about alpha there is that that's garbage. Just type into Google dominance theory disproved. Right. And you're going to find so many articles about why that theory that was originally developed by here we go. Bunk. And it was exactly. And it was developed observing wolves in guess what? Captivity. Captivity. So first things first, that's not actual wolf behavior. That's not natural wolf behavior. Right. I want you to think if you've ever had a roommate in your entire life, if you've ever had a roommate that was not your wife, your husband, or your children, after living with them for a short amount of time, you probably started getting sick of them really quick. And by the time that they left, they might not have been your friend anymore. And so in captivity, we had multiple packs of wolves in the same exact enclosures. As a result, they started fighting. They started competing for that alpha position and thus dominance theory was born. Then we took that theory and applied it to a different species of animal. It doesn't make any sense. Dominance theory does not exist in dogs. And, and here, not in domesticated dogs. Oh, yeah. And, and here's the other thing is that the term alpha. Yeah. This is what I don't get. Where, where did this get lost? The, the term alpha means breeding pair. The alpha male, the alpha female breeding pair. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for calling Pet Talk today. Where are you calling from? Hello? Hello, caller. Can you hear us? Hello. Hello. Well, guess not. Okay. Well, call back if uh, 
if for some reason we lost you. No, but the whole thing about alpha. Alpha means breeding pair. You've got the mother and the father, okay? Those are alpha. And all it means is breeding pair. Absolutely. All it means is breeding pair, okay? Um, we can do, you know, and, and we should. We should do a whole show just on yeah. dominance theory, no, alpha, and, and really get through that and, and get people to understand what's going on. I'm Will Bangora. And I'm Jordan Marsteller. And you are listening to Pet Talk. Today, we're here on Facebook with our Facebook Live each and every Saturday morning from 11 until 12 Eastern Time. That's 9 until 10 Pacific Time. We've got a caller. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for calling in. This is Pet Talk Today. Where are you calling from? Hello. You have it switched over so it's going through road yeah, and not sure the do. speakerphone. Yeah, let me make sure. See what's going on here. We are having technical difficulties, but we want to take your calls yeah, for absolutely. some reason. Can uh, you hear us? Hello. Hello. There we oh, go. Perfect. Perfect. Thanks for calling in. This is Pet Talk Today. Where are you calling from? Hi, my name is Sable. I'm calling from Columbus, Georgia. All right. All right. You know, we have a lot of listeners in Georgia. Yeah. Um, that's the second most list, the state with the second most listeners to our yeah. show. We love Georgia. Absolutely. We need, we need your help. All right. Talk to us. What's going on? <laughs> All right, so um, I was thinking about breeding um, my dog. What are some do's and don'ts, and how will that affect? Just how what 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 do you think about that regarding temper wise, or will I see a difference in my dog? You know, so the first thing that I want to say is that I personally am not the person to ask this question to. And um, I was going to toss yeah. it to you. So I guess it's back yeah. to me. Okay. Yeah. So my first question would be, why do you want to breed your dog? Yeah. For the love of the dogs, um, I'm going to get two Westies. I, I have one on the way. Um, and West Highland Terriers is the passion that I have. I bought one years ago mm-hmm. and I just love their demeanor. Yep. I personally think where I'm at, we need we need those type of dogs around here. If I can get a Westie in every home, I mean, I would love it. Um, this is so my, that's why. Yeah, this is my caution. Breeding is a lot of work. It's yeah. a lot of work. It's exhausting. It's it's unbelievable. And if you've never done it, you need to find a breeder. And you need to hang out with them and find out what this all entails, number one. Number two, I really caution people when they're breeding dogs to stay away from um, a breeding program that is designed to bring about a very specific look for the breed. Um, When we start messing around with the physical appearance, um, there's a price to pay in behavior. And there's a lot of bad breeding that is going on out there. Um, and we've got a lot of dogs out there that, that need homes. Um, I always right. caution people about breeding. I know, it, it, you know, and God love the good breeders that are out there. Um, I mean, I love a good purebred dog, but there's a lot of dogs being bred that are really being bred bad. I, you know, the biggest thing. I think for breeding is understanding what you're getting yourself into, number one. So again, shadowing somebody who does breed dogs. And then number two, um, really educating yourself and finding out very specifically what early exposure and socialization those puppies need from the time their eyes open up until the time they're homed with their forever family. Because 
these puppies are sitting there from three weeks when they open their eyes until eight weeks and they're not getting exposed to anything. The breeders um, are not getting them looking at different sites, feeling different textures, hearing different sounds, seeing you know lots of different things. There's a critical window for dogs to be socialized and exposed. And most people think it's much later in the game than what it is. It's three weeks to 13 weeks of age. And by the time we get to about 14 weeks, 15, 16 weeks, we've got things hardwired. So if those puppies weren't exposed to things, they very well are going to have some fears to a lesser or greater degree with things that they never saw that they were not exposed to. Um, But as far as changing a behavior of a dog by breeding them, um, certainly there might be some short-term behaviors that you might see, and and they might be behaviors that you need to be cautious about, where, you know, the bitch could be uh, very territorial of the pups, very protective of the pups. Um, Right. Usually when, you know, the pups are gone, um, give it a couple of weeks and, and things are back to normal with things. But anyway, that's my take. I don't know if that helps or not. Yeah, that does help because I've never done breeding before. I've always had my dog spayed and neutered. Yeah. However, with the, with the dog, the current dog I have now, who is a West Highland Terrier, I fell, I fell in love with their breed. And I find that it's super hard to find um, Westies. Here. Now, of course, there's places uh, around, but where I'm from, there's not many. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's a really good breed to introduce to people as well. So that, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, however, uh, you gave me really good information regarding those vital moments they have at three from three to you said 16 weeks well three then, really three to 13 weeks but but then you start right. going towards 16 and things are really hard wild hard wired you know the other thing that i that i want to mention because i didn't bring this up is um i had a one litter i bred two labs that i had and you know i really thought hey breeding this can be this wonderful thing i'm going to start this great line of labs you know because i think labs are great dogs but i really want the temperament to be just right and it was one of the most exhausting <laughs> let me tell you something being a parent with a human child is a piece of cake to wow breed, to breeding dogs it's a piece of cake Right. It's a piece of cake. (laughs) Okay. Because, you know, obviously the viewer, not all of our viewers know this, but I am a father as well. I have a four-year-old. And let me tell you something. The hardest thing I have ever done in my life is raising that boy. Yeah. Breeding harder than that. That is crazy. Let (laughs) me tell you something. Um, You're always dealing with feces. You're always dealing with urine. You're always dealing with cleaning up. You mean you're bathing bathing puppies (laughs) constantly throughout the day. Let me tell you something. You don't work. You can't work and be a breeder. Yeah, the breeding oh, is your well? job. That no, no, that's your job. Trust me, you oh, got to wow. be there. All right, mom might eat one of the puppies. Oh lord, happens. Oh, no, no, I would no, be. My, my dog got. They, they reject my dog the puppies. Get, no, my dog did get pregnant. Yeah. Before, uh, we had a, a neighbor's dog hop yeah. the fence. You know, and sometimes, and, and and sometimes and you did. you got to you got to get your hand in there and help out. Sometimes yeah. I don't know if you're prepared oh, for that. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. No. Well, I'm prepared for that. Um, however, you know, I, I do work, but, you know, me and my husband work different shifts. So, you know, someone will always be with them. Um, but definitely that is something to think about. And I definitely want to 
raise the best dog as far as the temperament as possible. Um, my my goal was to just have Westies available so that people can enjoy that. Well, what I want you to do, what I want you to do is I want you to get on the Google machine, go to the yes. Google thing. The do I want you to Google. Vollard, doesn't matter how you spell it. You can spell it phonetically, Vollard with a V, puppy aptitude test. And mm-hmm. in there, they have a section, they're talking about breeders and breeding. Invaluable information. I, I want every breeder, if there are other breeders out there, go look up the Vollard puppy aptitude test. You need to know the things that you're not doing with these puppies from three weeks until they go home at eight weeks. And then you need to be telling the parents what they need to be doing as far right. as, you know, socializing and exposing them as well. Um, that's the number, you know, the number one problem that we have is the fact that we have to um, try to get these dogs socialized when it's too late. And, Absolutely. and that's a huge issue. Um, but anyway, we appreciate your call. Hopefully that will help you as well. Um, like I said, breeding's a tough thing. Um, go ahead and, and really follow a breeder around for a day or two. If you can find one to let you spend the night, I don't know if you can, but absolutely, um, it's harder than having a child. I want you, you know, you're up constantly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You're praying absolutely. for that eight weeks to come by and, and that these puppies you've yeah. been able to home. Yeah. All right. So let's see, let's see, let's see. We have quite a few questions. Actually, we have somebody that uh, um, the alpha dog that we were talking about earlier, Lisa. Mm-hmm. Um, Lisa, if you're still watching, I would love to talk more. Um, she called in and actually missed her phone call. Please call back once you get a chance. Lisa, give us a call back. That um, number is 602-525-6880. That is correct. And guys, sorry, if we are in the middle of a phone call and you call in, I am just going to send you straight to voicemail. Yeah, we only have one line. Yeah, we only have one line right now. We are still, you know, we're, we're doing this all on our own. So we're using, I have just an iPhone and we've got everything hooked up here. But, um, Kathleen actually mess or Karen, Karen messaged us this morning okay. before the show and she's just, she's she is desperately, desperately needing help to train her sweet but bullheaded six-month-old puppy mm-hmm. how to be better potty trained. And we talked a little bit about that. So there Karen, is no such thing as a bullheaded dog. <laughs> First, and there is no such thing as a stubborn dog. Absolutely. You don't know how to motivate them. Absolutely. And the thing is, she she made a comment in there um, without a crate. Here's the thing. It's not going to happen. Um, I mean, unless you want your dog to be connected to you, you are staying up and checking on your dog every 30 minutes, even throughout the night. Um, and your dog is on leash hooked to your side, even while you're sleeping um, to make sure that they can't go off and use the potty somewhere. Um, but when it comes to this potty training, Karen, it is really, really, really simple. It's just inconvenient. First thing that you're going to do is you're going to go ahead and start a potty training log, right? Keep a potty Unknown caller. All right. And Karen, we will get back to your question, but callers do take priority. Please call in and we'll answer that potty training question. Let's go ahead and take that call. Thanks for calling the today. She's got to turn down her computer. Hey, do us a favor because there is a delay. Yes, turn it off. Yeah, turn off your your phone or your computer um, where you're watching us on Facebook. Okay. So this is Lisa. I'm calling you back about Ah. my dog. Hello, Lisa. Hello. 
So it's actually my daughter's dog, and she's here. And this has been a really interesting situation um, in our family <laughs> because we have three dogs. Okay. So we have we have a corgi, a shepherd mix, and now we have introduced a Chelsea puppy. Okay. And so we've had a Chelsea in the past. Um, she was amazing. This Chelsea is not as amazing. She's much more challenging to the family. Um, he, you talked about the dominance and about his fears. Yeah. This dog doesn't have much to fear as far as he has such confidence that it's kind of scary. Um, and that's part of the problem is we're trying to let him realize that um, it's not okay. He has um, food aggression now where if another dog comes near him, even if we pull up the dishes and everything, he goes after them like, and it gets really aggressive. And mm-hmm. he's only, how old is he? Nine months? Nine months. So let me just, uh, I, I got to stop you. I got to yeah. stop you. Yeah, sure. The dog doesn't have confidence. Yeah. The dog is afraid. It has anxiety. No animal, no animal goes into fight or flight unless they perceive a threat. And and let's talk about this from a legitimate, like actual scientific yeah. standpoint. Fight or flight is activated with cortisol, norepinephrine, right? Cortisol is our stress hormone. Literally from a chemical standpoint, what's happening with this food aggression, let's talk about that. This is the And the adrenaline exactly. from the norepinephrine, exactly. you know, for fight, for fight or flight. Yeah, exactly. And so what's happening is your dog is actually fearful of scarcity. That's where resource guarding comes from. So it's, it's a lack of confidence that is making him go, oh, no, 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 I'm going to lose this food if this dog comes near by, so I have to stop them from yeah. taking the food. The, his reaction is just instead of running away, he lashes out. And and the other thing that you have to take into consideration is there's two different things. There's the action, there's the behavior, but underlying that behavior is an emotional state. Absolutely, which is turning on that behavior. Right, and you know, your dog has three choices, fight, flight, or freeze. Whenever it is in a situation that it views stressful, where it's going to be reactive like that, okay? Unless, unless you can tell us every time that dog is being reactive, that there's some kind of real threat being presented to the dog, and then that would be a normal behavior. Absolutely. And that's so, I mean, the case. right. So they all have their own, you know, we all do as far as when they eat. They mm-hmm. all have their own place Good. where they eat. And what happens is after everybody's done, he'll go to their, try to go to their food bowl before yeah. we pick it up. Like we're going to pick it up and then he'll attack the other dog. Yeah. So the first thing, first thing is whenever we have a multiple dog household, whether you have a resource guarding problem or not, I always, always recommend that the dogs don't get to interact with each other during feeding time. Um, so the first step that you have to do is management. Management is the first thing that needs to happen here. So you need to set it up in such a way that when he's done eating his food, he should not be able to get to those other dogs in their food bowls and other dogs should not be able to get to him. Let's explain this. So when we talk about management, we're not talking about, you know, this is the way that you do things forever, but we know that there's a problem and what we've got to do to begin with until we've done the behavior modification work to modify that behavior we've got to set it up in such a way that day to day 
there's no way possible for the dog to engage in that behavior because if the dog continues every time it happens, it gets more and more conditioned. And we say it all the time. First thing we got to do is stop the dog from rehearsing the behavior because there's always a reinforcer. There's always a reinforcer for a behavior or behavior would extinguish. Now, a lot of times we don't see, okay, what is the reward? What's that reinforcer? Okay. Um, But if a dog views a situation that's in front of them as scary and that's their emotional state, there's anxiety, some level of fear. It doesn't have to be terrified, but some level of anxiety, some level of fear, some level of concern. And then their emotion with that emotional state, now the behavior becomes reactive. Right. Okay. And if the next thing that happens, that real or perceived threat that was in front of the dog gets moved away. Because let's say that there was this altercation over the food bowl. Usually you're going to jump in and, and then separate the dogs. Right. Well, the dog viewed the other dog as something that was uncomfortable, scary, made them anxious, made them fearful. It wants distance and space. The more distance and space, the safer it feels. So if my outward behavior of being aggressive and reactive can have the consequence that either that dog runs away or you or some other person get in there and intervene and separate them, that behavior becomes functional. Exactly. It gets the dog distance and space, which makes it feel safer. And that's the motivating factor behind that behavior. And what we've got to do is we've talked about it already several times in today's show. And that is about presenting triggers and pairing high value, positive food rewards, creating that association, but doing that at a distance where the dogs don't have a care in the world. Because if the emotional state is, I've got a care, I've got a concern, I'm anxious, I'm fearful, you will never desensitize your dog. And, and so, and so to kind of answer the, the overall question here, which is how do we help this dog learn? Well, your question was, how do you help this dog learn its place in the pack? Right? Well, here's the thing. Every dog in the pack should feel should have a nice, good emotional state. Every dog should feel comfortable in their own skin. It's not about who is and is not in charge. It's just about being able to live a good quality of life and feel happy. So the first Mm -hmm. step here is you have a nine month old dog that is absolutely displaying very concerning behaviors, things that I believe personally may be rooted in something genetic, maybe neurochemical. We may even be looking at some sort of trauma response. I don't know anything about this dog's history, but what I do know for certain is that this requires the hand of a professional. I can sit here and I can walk you through some of these steps like we have with the counter conditioning and desensitization, but without actually getting an a real behavior consultant involved to help you change your dog's behavioral state. There are emotional state, the, the way that the neurochemicals are interacting with the external world or the external world is interacting with them, causing certain neurochemicals to fire off. We need to change and build new neuropathways. And, and let me just say this, you need to make sure that you, when you're looking for a professional, that you have found and you've looked for a certified canine behavior consultant. There's plenty of dog trainers out there that um, 
are they've got good intentions, but their level of understanding and education is is very little. And you know, maybe on the outside, it seems to make sense that when a dog acts that way, we need to show them who's boss. We need to punish them, and all we have to do is punish them and show them who's boss, and you know, they'll stop doing that. Well, the problem is, is that that sounds great, except that's not what's happening. All right. that happens is you are suppressing suppressing that behavior. You haven't changed the underlying emotional state. Here, I've what got a you've done, metaphor you, that I like but to, let me just say yeah. this: you've 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 used fear, pain, and intimidation yeah. to one level or another. When you use punishment, yeah. when you use aversives to get the dog to stop behaving. You've done nothing for the emotional state, and that's going to build and build. And it's going to get worse. And give your analogy of what yeah, we're absolutely. looking at. So imagine that your dog was a pot of water, okay, that you put on the stove. And the fire underneath of that pot is his anxiety, right? And then when you put your hand over the pot, there's hot steam raising off of it. Those are the symptoms of his anxiety, the aggression, the resource guarding, the snapping, the lunging, the cowering, the drooling, whatever the symptom is of the anxiety that you can see. And so what we do when we correct the dog, we correct the symptom. That's taking an airtight lid and putting it right on top of that boiling pot of water. Now, when you put your hand over that pot, you're not gonna feel any steam. There's no heat rising anymore that you can, that you can tell. But we never turned off the fire. We did not take care of the anxiety, what was actually causing those symptoms. So inside of this pot of water, Pressure is just building and building and building. And then you go over to the stove and you check the pot because you want to check your noodles that you're boiling, right? Normally, this isn't going to be a problem, you know, but because you have a pressurized pot, as soon as you rattle that pot just a little bit, it explodes. And what that represents is maybe your dog is laying on the couch and normally you can lay down, sit down on the couch next to him and he's not going to care. But because he is so worked up internally, you sit down next to him, you touch him and he snaps. Because the fear gets worse exactly. when you use punishment. You might be able, things might look good, but you're, but the trainers are fooled all the time. They think that, you know, they show them who's boss, they're going to correct them. You know, the dog stops the behavior. Within three months, it yeah. always comes back always. and it comes back much worse. So much worse. Because there's so much more increased anxiety. So I guess our, our what, I, what we're saying is, um, firstly, do some research into counter conditioning and desensitization, but also... Contact yourself a professional. You can get hurt. This yeah. is this is not easy this is, stuff. This is what we do every day, and it's not easy. It really isn't. <clears throat> what what did you say would be the certified behavioral? What was it? So, so we can go to CC. That's cat cat P like Paul, D like David. Did I do that right? Here, yeah, certified CCPDT.org. CCPDT. Org. And then do a search by zip code and then look for uh, certified behavior consultants. Okay. Um, they're the people that are specifically trained to deal with the more and, serious and, issues like aggression, fears, phobias, anxiety, and reactive behavior. And here's the next behavior. thing, Lisa. Um, we yeah. do offer, we, we, I train with clients all over the country um, all the time, even at distance. So if you would like to work with us, please just shoot me a text at that same number and we can get in contact later today after the show. Um, and maybe we can see what we can do to help you out. Um, but yeah, um, thank you for calling in. I hope that you have a fantastic day and I really, I really wish you luck in resolving this issue. 
All right. Appreciate the call. Yes, absolutely. And when we do, we appreciate your calls. We appreciate your questions. Do us a favor. Hit that unknown caller. Do us a favor. Hit that like button and hit that share button. I think we got another caller. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, actually, we do. Let's see. All right. Who do we got here? Hey, how's it going? Thanks for calling in. This is uh, Pet Talk today. Is this? uh, I think this is Russ, isn't it? It is, Hi, and Russ, how is things listener. there this morning? Yeah, long time. Uh, yes, long time I've, uh, What's yes, going on, I've Russ? been watching you on uh, Facebook. Well, uh, my sister uh, up uh, so I, in wait, the city Russ, has Russ, a dog. Russ, that, Russ, yeah. Sorry, we don't train. Yeah. We don't train yeah. husbands, wives, kids, or sisters. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, it's her dog that's the problem. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, we can help you with that. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, he, 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 her, her dog is still just terrified of going outside by himself because uh, after the Fourth of July. And what is some suggestions? All right. To help so her let me. That I can tell yeah, her. So Russ, the dog is still scared to death right now today. And that started on the 4th of July? Yes. Okay, here's Almost the deal. two months. Yeah. We've yeah. got a dog that a month. has been traumatized. Okay? That's PTSD. Normal dogs, yeah. Every dog's going to have a startle response. Every animal gets startled. But most animals, when they're startled, mm-hmm. they recover quickly. They recover five minutes, ten minutes. They're better. When the fireworks stop... They recover. They go back to baseline normal. We've got weeks and weeks of a dog that is staying in this emotional state as if the fireworks are still going on. Okay. That is something that you need to tell her that she needs to find a veterinary behaviorist, a veterinary behaviorist. Okay. Because this is a dog, just like people that experience trauma and their response to it is so over the top. This dog is most likely, and we're not veterinarians, I'm not giving medical advice, but we work with a large percentage of these type dogs where they need behavioral medicine along with behavior modification. Yeah. Because when it's so scary to go outside when there's no threat, and the dog's been experiencing that level of fear for this long a time, and the dog hasn't recovered. Um, the dog is not just responding to external stimuli. The dog is responding to internal stimuli. And the dog is stuck yep. in the amygdala. Right. It's stuck in this fight. That's what fight. he won't do is go out. Yeah. Yeah. So, Russ, what's going not on? Not unless here? he's with his... Uh, with her yeah so so i know that uh that i i'm I'm pretty certain i see you in our comments almost every saturday but where did you watch our fireworks and thunderstorm episode uh yes uh but uh my sister didn't tell me about this till about like uh maybe uh last week Okay, so then what I want you to do, um, shoot us an email. Shoot us an email at info, that's I-N-F-O, 
at PetTalkToday.com and just put in the subject I've got line. That. Yeah, just put in the subject line, the fireworks. We're going to send you um, a link to that episode, and we're also going to send you an, I believe, is it a 10-hour? Is it 10 hours? Yeah. We have a 10-hour video of fireworks uh, sounds and instructions at the beginning of how to start utilizing that to help desensitize the dog. And I want you to give this information to your sister and have her start doing the work. Now, that is something that I want to start after she has taken her dog to see a veterinary yeah. behaviorist, okay? Because this is severe. Okay. This is severe. And and we don't want something to be done wrong and make it worse. Right. Okay. So let's get this dog to, you know, veterinarian, um, a veterinary behaviorist. And you're just going to have to look up online and Google veterinary behaviorist near me. Make sure they're actually a veterinarian. Yeah. All right, because you really need that. You need to talk to somebody that understands behavioral medicine. Yeah. What part of the country are you located in, Russ? Uh, we're in West Virginia. West Virginia. Yeah, I'm not familiar with the, with got the behavior a, consultants over there. We've got but. a lot of listeners in West Virginia, yeah. but um, uh, maybe we can find one. Make a note, Jordan. We can yeah. find one when he sends the email. We'll we'll go ahead and refer Absolutely. out to it. But yeah, we, not, yeah. Go ahead. My my dog's good with uh, loud noises and things. Matter of fact, when there's a thunderstorm. He'll, he'll run out the door barking and trying to chase it off. Yeah, I've got a dog that, that's like that as well. And then I got another one that initially was, you know, really, really scared. So Absolutely. dogs can respond differently. And like I said, you know, some, you know, it's normal to perhaps be startled. You know, some dogs yeah. won't be, but it's normal for most dogs, most animals to be startled yeah. if they weren't expecting that to absolutely. happen. But it's absolutely abnormal, yeah. completely pathological to be afraid to go outside absolutely. several weeks later. Yeah, maybe a day would mm-hmm. it would be somewhat acceptable, but weeks, not really. Thanks for calling in, Russ. I hope that you I hope that you get this figured out. Thank we'll you. Forward to get your email. Absolutely. I'm Will Bangura. And I'm Jordan Marsteller. And you've been listening to Pet Talk Today here on Facebook Live on the Pet Talk Today page. Be sure to like our page. Be sure to like our page. Uh, Be sure to um, also share this video and hit that like button so that more people can uh, benefit from this. Let's take that call. Yeah. Thanks for calling in. This is Pet Talk Today. State your name and where you're calling from. Hi, this is Sandy Lamro. I'm calling from Davis, Illinois. Hello, hey hello, Sandy. Illinois. Hi. So what's your I'm question? calling. I'm calling because I have a seven-year-old Bay Boston Terrier that, as of a year ago, suddenly turned very aggressive towards all dogs, especially our two that we have. Okay. We've spent a ton of money on veterinarians and trainers and behaviorists, and she's just gotten worse. And now recently, she's had a problem with not wanting to eat her food unless I put it in her mouth. And it's like, oh, okay. And I thought, can this be a smell sense of smell issue? No, I I think it's a behavior that's been reinforced um, as far as the food thing. Um, You said that you've spent a lot of money on veterinarians. So um, I'm assuming, but I want to ask, you've brought up this problem with your regular vet. Yes, two different veterinarians. Okay. They've done full blood work. Yeah. They've done full exams, x-rays. Yeah. And did you know if they did a thyroid test? Yes, they okay. did. Okay, good. They did a thyroid test. So everything uh-huh. seems to be okay. All right. Right. So one of the things that, you know, we look for too is, you know, there are other medical conditions that regular veterinarians are not 
well-trained, educated, and that are the syndromes, the illnesses, the diseases that occur in the brain. For right. some reason, for some reason, that organ of the body gets overlooked. Yeah. That somehow, okay. it's, that somehow it's not an organ that gets sick sometimes. Now, right. I'm not saying that this is the case with your dog. But right. if you've had lots of trainers, lots of trainers, you know, you've been doing lots of different things. You've been doing it right and it's not working. All right. Uh -huh. If you put the work in, there's probably a neurochemical component, not necessarily the cause, because usually there's multiple factors that are involved um, that, that cause the behavior. It's usually not just one thing. Um, but I didn't hear you say, but maybe you did, that you saw a board-certified veterinary behaviorist. No, I did not. Okay. I don't even know if we have one in um, our area. You do. <laughs> you, you, you've got one or two in Illinois that I'm... That okay. I'm, yeah. So um, I want you to send I us... I did write down your link. Yeah, I want you to send us an email and put in there where you live and that you need a referral for a veterinary behaviorist, Okay. Okay. Because that's who you need to be talking to first. We need to rule out any type of medical thing that a regular vet um, wouldn't necessarily pick up because it's just not uh -huh. an area of expertise. Yeah. You know, we've got specialties now for everything. We've got veterinary cardiologists, veterinary nutritionists. We've got veterinary, right. you know, for everything. And, and so, you know, they call them veterinary behaviorists. They're veterinary psychiatrists is what they are, to be honest with Absolutely. you. Absolutely. But yeah, that, that's where I would start with. Um, and then also we can send you a link where you can find a, a behavior consultant that specializes in this behavior in these type of issues. Cause again, there's a ton of dog trainers out there. There's no requirement in the dog training world to have any education, to have any certification. What? There's no Are oversight. There's no governing. Right. Body, there's no standards. So there's a lot of very well-intentioned people working Absolutely. with dogs that don't know what they're doing. And, and like I said, they're well-intentioned, they don't know that they don't know. Exactly. And so when we're dealing with these difficult behaviors, we need to make sure that we are dealing with somebody who is certified. Absolutely. And, uh -huh. and so we'll send you a link. Um, if you'll put the name of your city and state in that, um, okay. we'll be able to go ahead and, yeah. and find a veterinary behaviorist for yeah. you and also find um, a behavior consultant. Exactly. And that way we can send that to you. That's, that's our recommendation yeah. with that, okay? Absolutely. I appreciate it. Because one of these dogs she grew up with, and yeah. you know, at seven years old, she just snapped. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of times, too, when we see uh, everything's fine, and then just like, boom, overnight, the behavior changes so uh -huh. drastically. A lot of times, mm -hmm. there's a there's a medical there's contributing some sort factor. Of medical factor um, going. I don't want right to scare here. you, but there could be a brain tumor. Uh, that wasn't yep. that mm -hmm. wasn't checked for. You know. Yeah. So. No, they won't X ray her or anything because they said they can't see enough in her little compact brain. Or yeah, compact you'd, you'd have to do an MRI, yeah. CAT scan, yeah. something like yeah. that. But we usually don't do that. But start with. Um, getting us an email and we'll get those referrals over to you. All right. Wonderful. All right. And your email is on the website. Um, let us give it to you. Yep. So it's going to be info I N F O at pet talk Again, that is info I N F O at pet talk Wonderful. Thank you so much, All gentlemen. Right. You have a fantastic Appreciate, your time. Appreciate Bye -bye. the call. Appreciate the call. <laughs> 
All right. You know, here we go. And actually, <clears throat> I see you giving the countdown. Yeah, um, I do have a countdown. little I do have a little extra if we if we want to take a couple more. Um, I'll, we'll do one more. Yeah. So we have a question that would be fantastic for you. Okay. From Michelle. Michelle says that she had male cats since they were babies mm -hmm. and they are brothers. They are two years old and due to COVID-19, she's been having a hard time getting them fixed. She's hoping to hear from a vet soon, but her, mo her boys are mostly outside farm cats, mm -hmm. but they are fighting and not liking the other cat in the same place. What can she do in the meantime until she can get them fixed? Help me understand, Jordan. These are two cats in the same household that yep, are fighting? Yep, brothers, and they, they get along with each other, but I guess that there is another cat that is not related to them, okay. and they're fighting with this other farm cat. They're fighting cat. with the other farm cat. Okay, yeah. we've talked about this over and over again, and that is when we have an unwanted behavior, we need to manage the environment. We need to set it up so that the cat cannot re-engage in that behavior. The cat cannot rehearse that behavior so that behavior doesn't continue to get conditioned and ingrained. Um, we need to start the whole process of introducing and integrating the cats all over again. And you're going to start by separating them and they need to be separated far enough where they're not hissing and doing that. Okay. I'm not talking about having one behind a gate and the other cats there and they're hissing between the gate. Okay, that's barrier frustration, that barrier aggression. But we're going to separate them. And now what you're going to do is you're going to get a sock for each cat. And each cat has their own sock. You're going to put that sock on your hand. And you're going to pet that cat all over with that sock. And you're going to go from cat to cat. And you're going to start petting and, and changing these socks. What you're doing is you're putting all the cat's scents together. You're putting the scent together and you're rubbing them with it. And you need to do that for a couple weeks, all right? And then what you need to also do, and I'm a, I, I actually like this, and, and the research is there, um, cat-appeasing pheromones, okay? Um, cat-appeasing pheromones. Comfort Zone, I think, is one of the brands. Um, I like the one where you got the plugins, and what it is, it's a pheromone. It's a synthetic pheromone that the mother cat would produce when she has um, a litter of kittens, and it helps keep them calm. So I'm a big believer of for cats anyway. Doesn't do much for the dogs, but for yeah, the cats, definitely um, is a yeah. We're gonna have to, our battery's going dead soon. Yeah, but definitely I would try that with your cats. But then again, like I said, you gotta intermingle the scent with them. Now, after that, when you start bringing them out, bring one out and have the other two in a kennel so they can get closer. And again, yeah. you can do the same thing we talked about with dogs. Feed, 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 feed. High value food rewards, tuna, something yummy, yummy, yummy. When the cat sees the other cats and then separate them. Stop feeding as soon as you separate. Bring them back together. Feed, 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 feed. Separate them. Bring them back together. Feed, 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 feed. So that you're associating something very positive with the cats. And you've got to rotate them and it's got to be one at a time. Once they have started to have a positive experience where they are in cat carriers and things of that nature and you've done all this work, then you bring two together. Okay. But... I would start with getting a cat toy and start playing 
with them, again, creating a positive experience. But what happens a lot of time with cats is they, you guys just throw them together. Same thing that people do with dogs, and you, and you can't always do that. Not yeah. every cat's a social butterfly, yeah. and you got to take your time to introduce them. Well, listen, we are out of time. Absolutely, um, It's been a great show. Appreciate everybody that has called in with a question. Appreciate those that have typed in questions. Do us a favor. Hit that like button right now. Hit that share button. Share this video. Share the show to your timeline. And please tell your friends and family all about Pet Talk today so that more people can benefit from what we have to offer. Like we say in the beginning, not everybody can afford private in-home training. Um, Be sure to join us next week on the 6th. We're going to have Dr. Karen Becker, veterinary nutritionist. We're going to be interviewing her. Yeah. And we're going to be talking about her book, The Forever Dog. Have a great weekend, everybody. We are out of here.